Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a science teacher with Biology Specialism and on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews, Biology A-Level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey, dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Okay, episode 71. We are moving on to energy and ecosystems. So we're going to talk today about, so basically we're going to talk about food chains and energy through food chains. We're going to talk about plants as producers that make the organic compounds that becomes the biomass or the biological molecules or the biomass that then gets passed through food chains. We're going to talk about energy that gets passed from one consumer to the next consumer. And then we're going to talk about specific things. So GPP, NPP, NRI and F are all things that are to do with, they're all key terms to do with this particular topic area. GPP, for instance, is gross primary production. So that means the amount of energy produced by a producer that then is available to be passed on for a food chain, that sort of thing. So these letters that stand for certain terms that we're going to look at. And then we'll talk briefly about farming practices that increase efficiency in human food chains. What do you remember about food chains? Um, You have something at the top of the food chain and something at the bottom of the food chain. What can you tell me about the bottom of a food chain? It would be like little small animals, like krill. (laughs) Ah, now, no, because the first thing of a food chain is always a plant. Oh, okay. Always, always a plant. A plant. Yeah, so it'll always be a plant. Basically, it all starts with photosynthesis. So light energy from the sun, carbon dioxide from like the air, or if it's aquatic, from from the water, dissolved in the water, that goes on to make glucose. And then that glucose is turned into, well, it's either used in respiration by the plant for it to grow. So it'll be used to make amino acids using nitrates and it'll be able to put those together to make protein for growth and then the rest of the energy is used to actually make plant biomass so it's used to make cellulose in cell walls it's used to actually like make up the plant material that it's made of that is then eaten by consumers we're going to talk a little bit more about biomass later on but it's like the chemical energy that's stored in the organism So in a food chain, the plants are called producers because they are the things that take light energy and start that process of making biomass, making biological substances from a process like photosynthesis. And the energy that is then stored in that biomass can be passed through the food chain through consumption of the organisms. So you'll always start with the producer. Do you know what the next thing in the food chain is called after the producer? No. No. So it's a primary consumer. So a primary consumer will always be a herbivore. What does that okay. mean? What does that mean? A mouse. Yeah, but when you're a herbivore, what does that mean about what you eat? Herbs. <laughs> Grass. Yeah, so you only eat plants. You only eat, like, you're a vegetarian, basically. Yeah. yeah. So you only eat plant-based things. And then what would be the next consumer? 
after primary becomes secondary. secondary. And what do we know about secondary consumers? They eat the mice and the herbs. Yeah. So what kind of feeders are they? Not vegetarians. Not vegetarians. So they're carnivores. Yes. So you'll always have your producer, primary consumer, secondary consumer. It might end there. There might be tertiary consumer, might be quaternary consumer. And you'll always have a top predator at mm-hmm. the end of the food chain that nothing eats. Yeah. All right. Now, how many different points in the chain will depend on how much energy is available to be passed through? So you're probably not going to get any more than four to five different parts of a food chain or trophic levels, as they're called in a food chain. Because there's just not enough energy to spread among those different animals and plants. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you also might have scavengers and parasites that actually feed on the dead predator when it dies or parasites that yeah. feed off the the fox or the lion or whatever as well. So that's that's going to be... That's going to need energy as well. So food chains are obviously like feeding relationships. So they're showing showing the feeding relationships in the environment. And food chains be put together into, do you know what they're called? Food chains into one big chain. Food web. Oh, food web. Yeah, which shows all the feeding relationships. So it's food chains linked together within a habitat or within an ecosystem, showing all the different links between all the different animals. So it will show you all the animals in that habitat that eat the grass. And then it will show you... So like a big circle, and then it goes in and in and in, and in the middle it's got the main predator. Not so much like that. It's more like you'd have your producers at the bottom and then arrows going up, and it would be like a bit of a spider's web of different animals all the way through, with your top predators at the end, at the top. Okay, so, so that, more like a triangle? Maybe more like a triangle, yeah. If we actually talk about the energy available and the energy that goes through food chains all has to start with energy from the sun so it's quite important that we first of all talk about the sun's radiation because actually what percentage of the sun's radiation do you think is actually absorbed by plants and algae that comes down to earth what percentage one yeah that was a random guess (laughs) one to three percent yeah one to three percent of all of the sun's energy that comes down to earth is absorbed by a plant used in photosynthesis Mm -hmm. and there's lots of reasons for that so there's a few reasons that are quite obvious and you do need to know these for your specific on this on this specification and one of them is what we've talked about before not all of the wavelengths are absorbed by plants do you remember that oh uh, green isn't green isn't so green is reflected away yeah so that means it's not absorbed Mm -hmm. so not all wavelengths are absorbed from the action spectrum they get reflected 90 percent of sun's energy is actually reflected back into space or it's absorbed by the atmosphere's particles, mm-hmm. or the clouds or dust or whatever, or reflected away by clouds and dust. And then it has to fall on chlorophyll to be absorbed. So if it doesn't fall on a leaf, it's not going to be absorbed. Mm-hmm. So 1% to 3% of all sun's energy actually hits a chloroplast with chlorophyll in, and is absorbed by plants. So that's a lot of wasted energy, that just to start with, really, in terms of that. The energy that they do absorb is used to make glucose, some of that glucose is used in respiration for growth, but some is put into biomass. GPP is the gross primary production. So gross primary production is the total quantity of energy that the plants in a community convert to organic matter. So GPP is all of the different organic matters that has been produced by a plant that is available in a food chain. 20 to 50% is used in respiration. 
So 20 to 50% of the glucose that a plant makes, the plant uses it to respire. In its own respiration. In its own respiration. Okay. So what's left after that is called NPP, net primary production. So if you look at the resource on teachmescience.co.uk, there are four pictures. The bottom left has a little equation and a little diagram to go with it. So it says NPP equals your GPP minus R. Minus R. And R is respiratory losses. So NPP is everything that the plant makes into organic matter, like glucose. Take away the respiratory losses. That is what's left to be put into biomass to make plants and then to be eaten by other consumers in the food chain. For instance, a typical food chain, which we might have, like, say, grass is your producer at the start. The, the grass will have a certain amount of its energy. That is its NPP. So it's taken away all its respiratory losses. It's NPP that is available for plant growth and reproduction and in order to make biomass and be available in the food chain. Say that grass is passed on to a caterpillar. Less than 10% of that NPP in the plants is used by its primary consumer for growth. So we know that literally 50% of what the plant took in is now available to primary consumers, but the primary consumers will only use 10% of that. And there are reasons for that. And as it goes along, it's almost less and less. Okay, So secondary and tertiary consumers, there's going to be less and less energy available to them because it's being used by the consumers as it goes along and it slowly, mm-hmm. slowly runs out. The secondary and tertiary consumers can be more efficient, so they are a little bit more efficient at, at sort of making sure that they do get as much energy as possible from their prey for their own bodies. But it's still a smaller percentage of what we started off with. And there are reasons for that as well. So, for instance, if a caterpillar eats grass, how much of the grass does it eat? How much of a single grass plant does it eat? I don't know. Does it eat the roots? No, it just eats the green just bit. Just eats the green bit. So it just eats like the, the above bit above yeah. the ground. So not all of an organism is eaten. And that is a lot of biomass then wasted. The caterpillar is only eating a small fraction of what the plant has put into biomass. Because a lot of what's under the ground isn't eaten. And sometimes a lot of what's above the ground isn't eaten as well. If it's an animal, only parts of the animal are eaten, not everything is eaten. And you've then got the idea that what you do eat... Even if you've eaten it and swallowed it, not everything is digestible. So we eat a lot of fibre. If you eat a lot of plant material, you eat a lot of fibre, like cellulose of cell walls. We actually cannot digest that. We don't have cellulase anymore in our bodies. So we can't digest cellulose. So it ends up in our... Waste products. Waste products. It ends up in faeces. So that's another chunk of energy that's not being used by the next consumer. You've also got heat from respiration. So when a consumer, like a caterpillar or whatever, that has to also respire. So it's going to use some of its energy to do that. And then there's less to pass on to the next trophic level. So they're the, like the reasons. So you've got the urine that also is a waste. And then you've also got heat from respiration to the environment that's lost as heat. It just comes from just respiring. It produces heat because you've got to regulate your body temperature. Yeah. So consumers have a slightly different equation. That is also, it's above the GPP one, okay? So you've got a few more letters here. So net production of consumers, so that's N, equals I, take away F plus R. So I is the energy stored in ingested food. 
and you have to take away the faeces and urine that's produced and respiration. The net production of consumers means what is available to be passed on to the next trophic level from that consumer. It's basically what they eat, take away the waste products, take away the waste that they produce from it. So the faeces, the urine and the respiration. Now, if you think about like food chains that have become massively efficient, like a human food chain, like say cow eats grass, human eats cow, that is a very efficient food chain because there's only three things in it. Think about how that cow has been farmed in order to make sure as much energy as possible has been put into biomass. If you don't want that cow to waste very much energy for respiration, keep don't let it run around. Don't let it move, so keep it cramped. Limit the space it can move around in and keep it warm so it doesn't have to regulate its own body temperature too much so it doesn't respire too much to you and use the glucose for it because otherwise it will have less biomass overall. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It will be a smaller cow. Yeah. If you don't want animals to produce very much feces, then you feed it specially made food that is digest. nutritious and everything is digested. So there's less wasted as feces. Mm-hmm. You can't really cut out the urine as much because that's getting rid of toxic things in the body that the body makes. So that's going to be a loss. But you can limit the, the rest of the losses quite a lot mm-hmm. by efficiently farming practice, which some might say is cruel. A lot would say it's cruel because it's it, all animals that are farmed in this way are farmed like battery farmed yeah. like that. They're not free range. They're not allowed to run around. They're not allowed to see light. They're not allowed to see a lot of some really cruel practices, really. And, it, and, and it's even worse for chickens. If you want them to be for meat or you want them to produce eggs, they can be kept in quite horrific conditions in order to produce as much as possible. But it's all in this kind of aim of producing as much food produce as possible and not having wasted energy Mm -hmm. because it's more more profit but you can understand the science behind it rather than not necessarily understanding agreeing with the like ethics of it necessarily so uh, just to finish off the new information just want to talk about biomass generally which is the one of the last pictures so we have got a food chain as well which like a, a pyramid food chain as well that you can look at while we talk while we talk about food chains but there is a diagram here of a bomb calorimeter okay and a bomb calorimeter is used to measure biomass in food to measure the amount of energy in in particular amount of food or biomass that you've got biomass is actually easily estimated but it has to be the dry mass of the organism with all the water removed that you burn so if you wanted to work out the biomass of grass in an area or leaves on trees, things like that, you would take a small section, you would weigh it and you would have to dry it out. So you'd have to make sure that all the water got removed. So you'd have to put it in an oven on a low temperature for maybe about two or three days and that would dry it out. But every day at the same time, weigh it. If you get a couple of days of consistent masses, you know all the water's removed. If it's still going down every day, you've still got to carry on. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. Yeah? It's easy to do with plants because you just have to literally pick the grass or take the leaves, weigh it, dry it out. You burn it in a a bomb calorimeter, like a known... So basically, you burn it 
in a colorimeter, which means that you take a known mass of it, you put it inside the um, sealed bomb, and then that is then going to transfer energy to a known volume of water that's surrounding it. When it burns, the temperature of the water will go up. So whatever the temperature has gone up by is an energy amount that you can put into an equation and work out how much energy yeah, okay. was in it. Yeah, And it has to be sealed so there's no loss of energy. You could do this like in a lab. I don't know if you ever did it at school where you had like crisps, or for instance, and you burnt it and you saw how much the water temperature went up in a boiling tube or something. But it's done in the open air. So there's a lot of wasted energy, whereas this is all concentrated towards the water. So you'd have a much more accurate result. But obviously that is an estimate because you would have a small amount in there that you would then have to multiply by an area of grass or an area of leaves on a tree or whatever much more difficult to do with animals you could probably do it with very 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 small animals like caterpillars or worms things like that but if you think about the steps you'd have to go through to dry them out because you'd have to empty their gut so that might be keep them in a sealed box until they've emptied their gut contents or dissect them to empty the guts and then dry them out but that's going to include blood as opposed to just water in plant material. So it's a much more complicated process for animals. Mm -hmm. So a lot of animals would just be estimated, like a lot of stuff would be estimated, but it's easier to do with plant material. Ultimately, you're estimating the amount of chemical energy that is stored in the biomass of that material using that colorimeter. And that is pretty much it. What do you think? It's quite hard. It is. It is quite hard. Mm -hmm. And these, like, you know, NPP equals this is minus this, and I plus yeah. F plus R. Yeah. But it just makes sense, doesn't it, when you talk through it? Out of all of the GPP is all the energy that a plant has available, but it uses some of that for itself. So the GPP is, is, is everything it's got. Take away what it used for itself to grow and respire, which is R, which is R then that. NPP is what's available to be passed on to the next consumer in yeah. the next trophic level. And then as we know, the consumer in the trophic, next trophic level is only going to eat a small amount of that plant. So a lot of that was wasted anyway. And, and you know, it's just, it's just that constant wastage. Should we try some questions? See how you get on? Yeah. So I've got basically one series of questions using the same data. Okay. Okay. So again, at teachmescience.co.uk, there is a table resource and it literally is just a table and it's do you want to read what it says on just at the top of the table scientists measured the mean temperature in a field each month between march and october the table shows their results so we're in a field so it's like plant material in a field and the mean temperature across a certain amount of months so it's from march october so you can see that it's like hotter in the over summer. the summer period yeah and it shows the mean temperature I've basically got five kind of short questions to ask based on this data. Okay? okay. So the gross productivity of the plants in the field was highest in July. Use data in the table to explain why. Uh, I would say something like when we talked about the cows, you said that if you keep them warm, they don't have to regulate their body temperatures. So that is something that just will... If, you, if they're already warm, they don't need to do it. Also, there's more respiration happens in the when the sun is out. So, if that if it was an animal, that would be perfect. And that is actually a question okay. coming up soon about 
horses in the field. So if it's plants, is it because more they're doing more respiration? Because it's plants, it's to do with photosynthesis. They're doing more photosynthesis. They're doing more photosynthesis because the higher the temperature, the more collisions between the enzymes and the substrates for that yeah. reaction. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So also the sun is out for longer in the summer. Yeah, so there's more sun, more respiration, higher temperature for... Mm-hmm. The enzymes. So the first marking point is high temperature for enzymes that work faster. There's more collisions. Or you could say what you just said for that same marking point. Light isn't as limited. Mm-hmm. There's more light available. So photosynthesis is faster. This is your second mark. Yeah. Give the equation that links gross productivity and net productivity. Is that the G thing? Yeah. NPP equals, equals GPP minus respiration. Well done. Excellent. So... NPP, which is no net, net productivity, equals GPP, Gross. take away the respiratory losses, which is R. Well done. Yeah. Excellent. One mark. Net productivity of the plants in the field was higher in August than in July. Use the equation and your knowledge of photosynthesis and respiration to suggest why. Is it too much to do with it being a good temperature? Stay with us. We'll be right back. A Little Bit De Todo is a podcast about a little bit of everything for curious minds of all ages. I'm Christina, and you can tune in every weekday to learn about things like Cinco de Mayo, Chihuahuas, and volcanoes in Latin America. Episodes are bite-sized, 10 minutes long or less, and always Latin American related. Subscribe and follow A Little Bit De Todo podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Is it hotter in August? No. It's hotter in July. So it's hotter in July. Is it because it might be too hot in July? No, no. The net productivity of the plants in the field was higher in August than in July. So it's a slightly lower temperature. High, but not as high as July. The net productivity is about the respiratory losses. So if the productivity, if the net productivity was higher... There was less respiratory losses. There was less respiratory losses, so less respiration. And that's why. So it says respiration was slower or less respiration for one mark. Therefore, lower energy losses. So it wasn't as good? It wasn't respiring as much because the temperature was slightly lower. But that meant that it could put more energy into biomass. Mm -hmm. A horse was kept in the field from March to October. So the whole time. Mm -hmm. During the summer months, the horse was able to eat more than it needed to meet its minimum daily requirements. Suggest how the horse used the extra nutrients absorbed. How it used them. Yeah. If you eat more than you need, what happens to it? You save it up as fat. Right, so stored as fat. So it'd be stored as fat, glycogen or biomass. That's one mark. And it is only a one mark question, I think. I think it was only a one mark question. So that would that would have been a good answer. You could also say used for growth or movement, reproduction or growth. Last question. The horse's mean energy expenditure... So how much energy it gave off was higher than it was in August. Use info from the table to suggest why. In what month? Higher than what month compared to August? Oh, yeah. It must mean when it's in March. It must mean like when it's colder. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's just like what I was saying about regulating its own temperature. Yeah. Then it goes back to that. So it's colder in March. So it has to keep itself warm. It has to regulate its body temperature. Therefore more by respiration therefore more energy lost more energy expenditure 
yeah, it, it is definitely, it's not the most exciting topic area. Mm. But to me, it's very logical. I do find it quite interesting. Right, yeah. Because I understand it quite well. But I don't agree with it. Like I've always, you used to teach this in GCSE. And I used to make them watch like programs about battery farming and different things. And it was always like, we were always uproar about it. And, Mm. you know, you shouldn't buy the cheap chicken in the supermarket because it's probably been battery farmed and, you know, things like that. But people don't always have the money to do that. And it's producing cheap food for people who don't have a lot. Yeah. You know, so there's the ups and downs. All ecosystems depend on primary producers. They are organisms like plants and algae that use sunlight and water and carbon dioxide to make their own glucose via photosynthesis. Most of this glucose is used in respiration for growth, but the rest is transferred to chemical energy in biomass. This energy can then be used by other organisms known as consumers in higher trophic levels of a food chain. The storing of this chemical energy as plant biomass in a given area is known as the Gross Primary Production, or GPP. However, not all of the products from photosynthesis are used to form new plant biomass. Some products are used as respiratory substrates. Approximately 50% of GPP is lost due to the environment as heat from respiration. This is known as respiratory loss, or R. The chemical energy that is left over in a plant after respiratory losses is known as net primary production, or NPP. So, NPP equals GPP minus R. NPP is the energy that is stored in plant biomass and that is available to organisms in hyotrophic levels. Organisms that get energy from by ingesting other organisms are known as consumers. When consumers ingest other organisms, the chemical energy in the biomass is transferred to the consumers. Only 10% of the energy is available to the consumer to store as new biomass, as 90% is lost due to not all of the parts of the organism being eaten or being digestible, so lost as faeces, or also respiration causes energy to be lost as heat and urine. The energy that is left after these losses is available to the consumer to store as new biomass and is known as the net production of consumers, or N. N equals I, which is ingested food, minus F plus R, So F is faeces and urine, and R again is respiratory losses. Farming practices can increase the net production of livestock by controlling the conditions they are raised in, so that respiration is minimised and energy available for growth is maximised. This includes restricting movement and keeping them warm. Biomass can be measured in terms of dry mass of an organism or tissue, and this involves removing all of the water. Calorimetry can then be used to estimate the chemical energy stored in dry biomass. This involves burning the sample of a known mass of dry biomass to heat a known volume of water and using the change in temperature to calculate the amount of chemical energy stored. Got any takeaways? My takeaways are NPP equals GPP minus R. Well done. My takeaway is that the bottom of the food chain is plants, then you have your second and your third tertiaries. And there's always less for the next level of energy. And then my other one is that in order to make the most profit, they'd be horrible to the animals. That is true. That is true. All of my takeaways. Well done. So we're still sticking with big biology for the wider reading, aren't we? Mm -hmm. We said we'd do that through December. 
you'll find it anywhere that you find podcasts big biology it's called and it is i've said before like the sort of podcast that really you need to know your stuff to listen to because they do talk about things in terminology that's quite complicated so somebody that's in year 13 should be able to handle it and it's just about picking a topic area that you enjoy discussing or enjoy learning about or something that is linked to what you're currently studying and giving it a listen so wider reading is massively important to show that you are reading around the specification If you'd like to contact us, you can go to our website, that is teachmescience.co.uk. On there we've got all of our resources, you can find them in our Google Drive, and you can also find our GCSE podcast, which we've also started. You can drop us an email, that is teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at at teachmebiocast, and on Instagram at at teachmebiologycast. Also, if you'd like to, at this Christmas time, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash teachmebiology, and you can donate to us if you would like to. Obviously, you don't need to, but if that is something you'd like to do, then... Yeah, I mean, it's basically three three pound for a tea that we are suggesting, and it's basically just the fact that I think there's a lot of episodes there now supporting your learning for these topic areas that you normally might pay £25 an hour or £30 or £40 an hour for mm, like a, a tutor sort of thing whereas we're providing this essentially for free and we are an independent podcast as well so we pay for all our own fees podcast fees and yeah. website fees and all those sorts of things so it just helps to support that really good it actually just goes directly back into that if you support us mm. so um, feel free to if you wish to but you don't have to and get yeah. in touch if you have any great revision resources you want to share any great wider reading you want to recommend if you want to just say hello tell us who you are where you're listening from why you're listening so what course it is you're doing we'd love to hear all about all, all the different, different courses all over the world absolutely yeah so yeah get in touch mm-hmm. was that the bell yeah that was the bell oh, it's monday it is it officially monday. the last week of term yeah um we're recording this at work after school so that's it we've only got now four days until we can break up for christmas i've got three days we've got three days because she does not work on a wednesday i don't work on a wednesday i look after my babies <laughs> then we'll, we'll get an episode out this week we don't know about next week yet we might get an episode out next week we might do we it'll be the well. day before christmas eve if we do we might we might we might but, you know, we might have Omicron by then. And um, <laughs> yeah. the locked houses. We almost didn't get this one out, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, might have a lockdown. We could we have might. a lockdown, yeah. Who knows what will happen in the next week, Sarah? Yeah, it's I'm getting bad again. Actually. It's getting bad again, guys, not going to lie. I'm a bit frightened. Um, there's a tidal wave of Omicron coming, apparently. Mm-hmm. And that isn't we a transformer. <laughs> as much <laughs> as we would love it to be. <laughs> Come to save us. But if we don't get to you before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. Have an amazing Christmas, guys. We will see you in the new year. Yeah, you'll see us in the new year. Lots more to come. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Oh, hang on. <clears throat> My name is Sarah Matthews. And I'm Rio Corbett. This has been Teach Me Biology. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>